Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Friday, the 16th of October, 2020. How does somebody become a Christian? How does somebody get saved? Is it by faith or by works? Well, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you're saying right now, By faith, it's by faith I know this answer because I've memorized Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not a result of works that no one should boast. And to that I say yes and amen. But if we turn our Bibles to James chapter 2, and today we read verses 14 through 26, we have to start scratching our heads a little bit, especially as we look at James 2 and verse 24, where it says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. What in the world is going on here? You can see why this is perplexing. You can see why uh, people like Martin Luther struggled with the book of James and in particular with verses like this. So what do we do with this? What do we do when as, you know, for most of us Protestant Christians, how do we compute Ephesians 2 and really the book of Galatians, the book of Romans, which argue we are justified by faith How do we square that with this verse? Is the Bible contradicting itself? What is going on here? This is a good and important question for us to ask. And one thing I would like to highlight uh, first up is that it really shows us why it is important for us to read the whole Bible. Because we need to compare scripture passages to each other so we get the complete picture. If all we had was Ephesians 2, I I think there'd be some things lacking in our understanding. But if all we had was James 2, we'd also struggle to get it right. But God has given us the whole of scripture and we need to understand it. Because I want you to understand James here is not contradicting what we see in Romans and what we see in Ephesians, and what we see in Galatians. He is saying the same thing, but he is making an important emphasis that we need to understand correctly the role of works. Now, I want to affirm he is saying the same thing as Ephesians 2, that we're saved by grace through faith, as Romans, which argues we are justified by faith, and Galatians, which argues we are justified by faith. And I want you to see that because he is using the same example that those passages use, especially the book of Romans. It goes deep into the story of Abraham and shows he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so we see here in James, uh, he refers to the same thing in verse 23. The scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So he is not trying to disagree with that. He is affirming the same thing that is said elsewhere in scripture. But he's helping us understand, yes, Abraham was justified by faith, but his faith was not alone. 
And we can't act like works were not involved in what Abraham did because he demonstrated his faith by his works. And that's where we start to see the puzzle pieces coming together. And even Christians have often explained this um, through kind of the catchy saying that we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. And we understand we're saved by faith. It is because we believe God that it is counted to us as righteousness. But if that faith is genuine, it will not be alone. It will produce works. And the point that James has been making here is that faith without works is dead. It's not real faith. So he is not trying to argue that we can, and it's clear, he nowhere uses these kind of words, that we earn our salvation by our works. No, he is not saying that at all. He is affirming that we are saved through faith, but he is adding and explaining that faith will produce works. And if that faith doesn't produce works, the problem isn't, hey, you need more works. The problem is you don't have real faith. And that's the argument that he is making here. Like in verse 26, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And he uses the classic example there of the demons. Even they believe, uh, you know, on one sense, they believe God, uh, but clearly that is not saving faith. That is not real faith. Or he puts it well early on in verse 18. He says, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So we want to understand there, we are saved by faith alone. We believe God, we trust in Jesus Christ that he died on the cross, that he rose again and it is counted to us as righteousness. But that faith that saves is never alone. It will produce good works in our lives. And if there are, are no works, then we need to understand there is no faith. And often we, we try to explain this in kind of mathematical equations. And we say, no, no, it, it is not understanding the gospel plus responding in faith and repentance plus good works equals salvation. No, that, that gives us the idea that we can earn our salvation. But that doesn't mean the equation is simply, well, understanding the gospel plus responding with repentance and faith equals salvation. That's incomplete. We need to add to the end of that equals salvation plus good works. That if we truly have faith in the gospel, in God, we will be saved and that will produce good works. And if there are no good works, the solution is not, uh, okay, let me go back and add that in because that's works righteousness, thinking I can earn my salvation. If there are no works, we have to go back and realize I either don't understand the gospel or I haven't truly responded in the true saving faith that James is talking about here. So we are saved by faith alone. And I think James is affirming that even as he mentions Abraham, but he is trying to point out this, the faith that saves is never alone. It will of necessity produce works. And this is a connection that we're not just going to see in James. I think we even see that connection today in John chapter 3 as we look at verses 16 through 21. And obviously that begins with the most famous verse in the entire Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish 
but have eternal life. But even in this passage, I want you to notice there is a connection between belief and works. Look down at uh, verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So even there we see a connection. Uh, Those who believe in Christ will have eternal life. But we see those who believe in Christ, they're not going to be the ones who are staying in the darkness because they love the darkness and their works are evil. Those who believe, they're going to be the ones that step into the light and their works are clearly carried out in God. So we need to understand these concepts. What we need to understand, no, we are not saved by works. We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot be good enough. There are no rituals we can perform to uh, atone for our sins. No, we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We believe in this only son that was sent into the world so that we might not perish, but have eternal life. But we need to understand works will be a result of real faith. And if there are no works, then there, there is no faith. And this is one of the most important things in the Christian life, but it's also one of the ones that gets very confused. I mean, this is kind of the heart behind the Reformation, right? That people were starting to study the Bible on their own and saying, no, I'm not saved through the sacraments. I'm not saved through penance. I'm not saved through indulgences. I'm saved through faith in Christ, not through works. Uh, There was a lot of confusion about that. And there is to this day, people think they can earn their salvation, but also uh, we need to make clear that it is not just a, uh, you know, pray a prayer, raise a hand and you're good. That if that belief that you have in whatever expression that might look like as you profess faith in Christ, if it doesn't lead to a changed life, there clearly was a problem with the faith. The faith is not genuine. It is not real faith like the faith of Abraham. And even just seeing how true faith is going to result in a desire to do the right thing and result in works, we see that as we get back to Psalm 119. And now we look at verses 33 through 40. And and this is the Hebrew letter, hey. And I think that's an easy way to remember this section because I think of it as kind of the English, like, hey, hey, uh, trying to get someone's attention. Because every verse in this section involves an imperative. It, it, every um, one, I guess, except for the, the last one uh, there, or no, it does, even in the last one, the, he's always telling God to do something, which we don't see in every section, but he is telling God, God, teach me, verse 33, give me, 34, lead me, incline my heart, turn my eyes, confirm to your servant, turn away the reproach, and then finally, give me life. Every single verse, he is calling out to God, hey, God, Teach me. Hey, God, turn my eyes. Hey, God, give me life. And again, when you look at this, what is he saying? Hey, God, give me this. He, he wants to learn the way of God's statutes that he might keep it to the end. He wants understanding so that he can keep the law and observe it with his whole heart. He, he wants 
his heart inclined to his testimonies and not to selfish gain. He wants his eyes turned away from worthless things. And so this is a good prayer for us, I think, to express. And I'd encourage you today to spend some time saying, hey, and calling out to God, not for, you know, all your financial wishes or your future hopes and dreams, but God, keep my heart focused on you. Teach me your ways because I want to walk in the way of faith and produce works. I want to turn my eyes from worthless things. I don't want to be inclined towards selfish gain and and worldly things. I want my focus to be on you because what I dread more than anything is not, you know, poverty or some kind of business failure or anything like that. It is the reproach that that would come if I strayed from your commandments. I want to stay in your way because your rules are good. Finally, we look at Jeremiah chapter 15 through 17. And if I'm being honest, reading through Jeremiah at times can be a little bit depressing. I mean, he's called the weeping prophet. And you see him just watching his nation falling apart and you feel for the guy. And then you start thinking about your own nation and you start getting sad as you think, man, what is God thinking about America right now? What's the future for our country? And it can start to be... Uh, a sad experience. But there's a couple things today I think that should encourage us. And one is there in chapter 15. And in chapter 15, verse 16, even in the midst of uh, all that's going on, and even as Jeremiah is in a sense complaining, it says there, even in the ESV, that's the heading, Jeremiah's complaint. He says in verse 16, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. So even in the midst of all the craziness, he is finding hope and strength from God's word. You might even say he is finding revival from the Bible. And then in verse 17, we see where he talks about cursed is the man who trusts in man in verse five and makes flesh his strength. But then in verse seven, we see blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that send out its root by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. So in the midst of all the craziness, let that be some encouragement to us. Keep your focus on God's word. Keep your trust in the Lord and you will be like that tree planted by the water. You might even say, if we continue to put our faith in God, we will not cease to bear the fruit of good works and enjoy the fruit that that will bring. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.